And now for something purposely positive. Welcome to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast, brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, on the day it actually goes on the air, it's New Year's Eve. And what a perfect time to start thinking about the new year and the new you. See, New Year's brings new beginnings, new ideas, new relationships, new adventures, and of course, New Year's resolution. Now, you want to guess what the number one New Year's resolution is? And that would be to eat better, exercise more, and lose weight. Now, those are three things, but they kind of all encompass the same idea. And you know what? A lot of people start out the new year with great expectations, as Shakespeare once wrote, but it ends up being more of a midsummer night's dream. On today's show, I'm going to introduce you to someone who might be able to help you with that New Year's resolution, my friend Sasha. Sasha, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me. Oh, this is awesome. I am great. I'm all excited about starting off this new year, especially after the way 2020 has been. It's just been one of those years we wish to forget. Correct. Many people are probably in the same boat. (laughs) Yes, they are. So let me ask you the first question today. Well, first off, you are like a health coach and actually you call yourself the energy coach. Now, how did that moniker come about for you? Correct. So yes, I am a mind body health coach trained in the psychology of eating and the dynamic um, eating aspects. But the energy coach came about because I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis and degenerative disc disease about um, six years ago. And if you know anything about fibromyalgia, it's one of the most exhausting disorders out there. And so most of the people who have Um, fibromyalgia are, you know, they're prone to being very, um, not just fatigued, but beyond that, maybe I know people who are awake, maybe four hours a day. And so to be able to go from that to being completely off medications and living a vibrant life, you know, working full time, raising two children, as if from the outside, nothing was wrong with me at all. Um, It's the sense of gaining true energy being able to sleep well through the night, to be able to, you know, get through your day without needing to live off of coffee, Uh, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. And so I, you know, came about as if you want to actually live a life of vibrant energy, then that is something I can definitely help with. Wow. That's pretty fascinating. The only thing is I'm not going to give up my coffee, but I, vibrant energy is is a good thing. (laughs) In addition to the coffee, I really want to hear a little bit more about your story, about how you overcame your bout with fibromyalgia and how you made these incredible changes in your life to get to where you are now. But before we go there, what's your opinion of diets? I fall in the category of diets don't work. There's a lot of great 
dietitians out there that speak to this. And I do not fall in line with any fad diet out there. Although they may have some short term gain, the concept of dieting will actually throw your body into a survival mechanism that will rebound into um, back to where you were. And most diets that are out there, especially the fad ones are not sustainable for longevity which if you're looking for true health and you want to start the new year off on the right foot and really get going into a life full of vibrancy energy and to lose any excessive weight that you need to lose or want to lose either way, (laughs) um, you know, you want to be able to sustain that and live it, live into that for the rest of your life, not just for couple couple months or so yeah you know yeah because I mean? that's that's really what happens with the diet someone will go on one of these fad diets as you said whether it be you know the atkins was big now they call it keto they, they just keep recycling the same old diets just different ways and you know they go on to these different fasts and people do juice fasts and people do you know all these packaged diets with these chemical foods uh, named after these people and we won't mention what they are you know as to advertise them but yeah, there's there's a couple of those and there's some some type of nutritional system uh, that you get in a box and, you know, it's packaged food and you can only eat this stuff for so long. And then you go back to eating your normal diet and you put all the weight back on and you see this all the time and people are just going into this cycle over and over again. And that can't be healthy. Gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight. That's just not good. It's not. And what statistics has shown is that over, you know, a course of 10 years of this, what we consider yo-yo dieting is that your, your baseline actually continues to increase. So you may, you know, need to start off by losing 10 pounds. So you think, you know, and then you, you need to lose 20 pounds and you need to lose 30 pounds and then it's 40 pounds and you keep yo-yoing back. But each time the number is higher and higher and higher because your body is storing more and more fat. And that's yes. that survival mechanism because most of these diets are either very stressful on the body or on the psyche and emotionally, you know, that constant, like I'm not good enough or I'm not where I need to be, or I should be. It's almost like a form of guilting and shaming yourself. So there's also the psychological and emotional aspect of it that, you know, is not addressed in these bad diets, which is a huge part of health. Oh, definitely. The psychological aspect of all this has got to be touched because what happens is most people, when they go to diet, they're not happy with their self-image. They look at themselves in the mirror. They don't like what they look like. They, they want to be able to fit into a pair of jeans that they haven't been able to fit into in a long time. So it's, that's a psychological thing. And they're not addressing that. They're thinking that, well, if I lose this weight and fit in these jeans, everything's going to be perfect. And they don't address the root of that problem. And then, of course, you get into eating because you're depressed. I mean, how many people do that? You know, they, people either starve yourself because they're depressed or you eat a lot. Unfortunately, I've always been the kind who, when I get uh, depressed or upset, I tend to binge eat. Uh, everything in sight goes into the tummy. Right. Well, yeah, there's definitely a comfort aspect. And there's also a pleasure response to eating. Um, It's one of those things that continues all species to continue eating is they actually feel pleasure from eating. So definitely plays a part into those that become they start to overeat after they may have put themselves through this stressful period of dieting. And it definitely image plays a part in it. um, For Mm -hmm. sure. My biggest aspect when I work with a client is to hit all of those points 
I don't like the fact that diets in and of themselves don't work, but that they don't touch on the whole person. And I feel like as humans, there's so much more to us than eat this, do this exercise, you know, go about this regimen activity. There's so much more to us as humans that needs to be addressed. It's just not in most of these cases. And I feel like that is one of the big aspects that as to why people fall back, besides the fact that a lot of those diets are not sustainable for longevity. Right. They're (laughs) definitely not for longevity, especially. Yeah. I've seen some of these people and, oh, I can't eat this, 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 and this. And you're going, wait a minute, you know, how can you live that way? You can't. And when you go back to eating the regular way, it's, it's all going downhill from there. And then they're going to have to readdress those psychological aspects again and those emotional things, because then they're going to feel like, oh, I failed. And then you feel like a failure. And then you eat more because you feel like a failure. And it's a big cycle. Yeah, it's this chronic cycle that is very detrimental to, you know, everyone around too, especially if you are a parent or a spouse, you know, that part counterplays into your environment as well. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, let me ask you, what do you think the most essential thing that someone can do to really improve their health? What would that be if you could pick uh, one thing or maybe a couple of different things? (laughs) One thing, you're really putting me on the spot here. Okay, well, I think the most important, obviously, is probably the simplest, but it tends to be the most challenging in our society, which is staying hydrated. Hydration, you know, our bodies are 70% or more of water, depending on where you are in your, you know, hormonal cycles and age and stuff like that. That is pivotal to your body's functioning. Everything functions off of having proper hydration. But I guess the other ones that would be important these ones, I guess, to me, they just come off as like, they're so basic and that's why people don't want to hear them, but it would be, you know, a good amount of sleep, what's right for your body. And then addressing the cellular components of your phys- physical needs. So our bodies are broken down into, you know, chemicals. I don't want to go too like crazy here, but all those. Oh, come um, on, let's get the textbooks out and look this over, <laughs> get deep into the science. So, you know, like we're broken down into those elements that all of our cells are hormones and neurotransmitters and everything is connected and intertwined within our body. um, And they live off of chemical reaction. So if we don't have the proper nutrition, the proper balance of potassium and sodium, or the proper balance of iron, there's probably, I mean, there's not probably, there's plenty more other, um, chemical reactions that will happen within our body, if those balances are off or if they're being interfered with by toxicity. So it sounds like it's super complex, but I don't like complex. I don't, I don't like things to be complex. I like things to be simple. So (laughs) having, that's what I like about you, Sasha, you like to keep things simple. I do. Like I know the science of it, but really why sit here and read a textbook when you can make it simple. So I like reading textbooks, but Yeah, so do I. I know. Uh, Psychology textbooks for light reading. Right, exactly. You know, when those balances are off in our body, we see this. Actually, let me step back. Our body is constantly seeking equilibrium. That's what it's looking for. It's constantly trying to find a state of homeostasis. So if our hydration is too low, then it's going to pull from other parts of our body where it needs it. And then those parts are going to be left over to be fending for themselves because their, their body will prioritize different parts of your body. Like the heart is going to heart and brain are going to get the most of anything. 
Um, but other organs are going to start to feel that, you know, failure because they're not getting what they need, you know, with inhalation, oxygen, like our oxygen levels, if those are low, because either your iron, you don't have enough iron to transfer the oxygen through our body, or you're not breathing correctly, or you aren't um, being able, you know, you're in a toxic environment with a lot of cleaning and perfumes and, you know, toxic fragrances, your lungs are going to have a hard time bringing in the proper amount of oxygen that way too, because it's going to inhibit it. So our body's constantly looking for this to find a state of homeostasis. And if it's battling this constant imbalance, that's going to wreak havoc on our bodies. And it's going to be at such a small cellular level that we don't notice it until it becomes a major issue. Mm. And so again, we come down to thinking, oh, it's because this person eats this and this and this, or this person only won't do this, or you know what I mean? Like, or they don't go to the gym. But in honesty, it comes down to that micronutrient level because our bodies are amazing at healing themselves and if you give them the right nutrition. And so that therefore leads to the fact that my last thing is learning to see food as not the enemy, but as a source of nutrition for that cellular level. And when we start to feed ourselves thinking, oh, this plate is full of color. Like that's one of my favorite phrases to say is eat the rainbow. Like the more colorful your plate is, the more likely you're going to be getting all of those micro and phytonutrients. And we're not talking going... about colorful like jelly beans. Right. We're not talking about Fruit Loops or jelly beans. No, we're okay. talking about like actual, you know, naturally colorful fruits and vegetables. The reason why they have those colors is because they're nutrient rich and they have all those phytonutrients within them naturally. And that's what our body needs. And they need it in that form because that is the form that our body can actually process. The synthetic stuff just doesn't cut it. And that's one of the sciences out there that is not as forthcoming as it should be. If you're peeing yellow or orange, bright neon yellow, you're not absorbing that nutrition. You know what I mean? It's a blatant, like in your toilet, you're flushing down your money. So, I mean, (laughs) it's literally in your face that you're doing that. So... It, it can be a little bit challenging to reteach the palate and to, you know, learn to accept food as a nutritional component um, and not just like something you have to do or something you do when you're sad or emotional or just because there's a giant piece of chocolate cake and you can't control yourself. I hate that concept of I can't control myself. There's so much more to that. So learning to see food as the source of life for your right. body. That's you know, it's absolutely necessity. Right. And you're not against eating and treating yourself to these things like chocolate, for example, as long as you're not eating an entire, you know, three pound chocolate Easter bunny by yourself. No, I'm definitely, I am definitely not opposed to treating yourself to good food and food that is pleasurable um, because that again is in a form of self care. But again, it's not going to that piece of cake because you're sad, not sitting there and you just have been eyeballing it for 30 minutes and now you're caving into it. It's the fact that you're like, I want to eat a freaking piece of chocolate cake because I can and I want to and you do. And then Mm -hmm. you don't feel guilty about it. And tomorrow you have your grilled chicken or your grilled tofu and your salad or whatever. And you just keep moving on with life. You know what I mean? So it's, it's having your cake and eating it too and losing weight while you do it. 
exactly. And that's part of um, one of the courses. <laughs> yes. One of the courses that, uh, that you offer is called freedom from food. And I actually got a chance when you were recording that to be part of that. And it was very interesting. It was very fun and learned a lot. And of course, me being another foodie, uh, I think we kind of bonded well during that time because it's like, oh yeah, we like all food, but food is not yeah. bad. It's how we use that food and what we do with it that's bad or it can be bad. Right, exactly. And how we use it and how we feel about it can actually be bad for us if we have that negative perception of it, for sure. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I'm not going to get into all of that today because we could you know, spend like three hours just diving into the psychology of eating. But there's other things that play into that relationship with food for sure. But I feel like instead of turning to diets and to this concept of restriction, and guilt and shame, and all of that, that kind of just comes together. It's learning to really, like I said, to the simplest form is to see food as nutrition and, and accept the fact that it's pleasurable to be providing yourself with nutrition. Right. And when exactly. you come to that state where food is nutrition and it is pleasurable and it's okay to be both, mm -hmm. then you can start to explore into a diet that fits your body and you are more than welcome to try different things because it's okay if if you have this, or if you have that, that's fine. But also now you're like, well, since it's okay to have all this stuff, then maybe, maybe I'll try a salad, or maybe I'll try a smoothie, or maybe I'll try to add some more vegetables into my plate, or you know what I mean? So you start to have fun again with your meals, and you start to have fun again, with that experience. And it just, you know, changes the whole perception of yes. that. Exactly. that relationship with your food. And then therefore you're more open to getting what you need is right. now you're eating intuitively versus out of fear, shame, guilt, or have to. And that's a process. It takes that process before you learn to eat intuitively, but this is exactly what you do with your clients, isn't it? You would sit down and you would come up with a, with a game plan for them of how they can start exactly. making these changes. I'm sure people out there, if they are thinking about maybe making those changes and not just getting into some fad diet and not having to be coming back six months from now and go through another diet again and keep playing this diet game, you know, get it taken care of once and for all. And someone like you, Sasha, could really help somebody to make those changes in their life. Yes. My ideal of working with my clients is that they'll come to me and we'll work through our process. And once you've gone through that process with me, you will no longer ever need to go back again. It's not like, oh, I'm going to reel you in and you're going to buy this product. And then you're going to buy this. And then you're going to spend this time with me. And then you're going to spend this time with me. Like the way I approach coaching is that it's a one and done. Like you'll need me for a short period of time. And then the rest of your life is to live freely from, yes. from that fear, from that anxiety and to go forth into a very happy, healthy, energized, and well, they need three life. other people for that. If they're going to go forth, they will need three other people. I'm sorry. I just had to throw oh, really? that in there. Yes. I digress. So let me just kind of backtrack because yes. 
we started talking earlier about your experiences with fibromyalgia and what you went through and how you overcame all that. And you even developed a method that you used to overcome in that. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So in the course of struggling with fibromyalgia and going to the doctors and doing everything I was told I needed to do, I started to see a lot of things that didn't align. They just didn't make sense logically to me. And I wasn't getting better, I actually started to degenerate um, to the point that in July of 2013, I ended up bedridden for an entire month. Coming from the background of being very athletic um, as a competitive athlete and then into the military and then ending up in a bed, I was not going to stand for that. There was, I was not going to just lay in a bed for the rest of my life. And so I took matters into my own hands. I started to research everything I could find about anything that could possibly, any lead I could possibly get about anything that had to do with health. So it took me into studying about plants and studying about psychology and eating and health, um, nutrition, and um, even into yoga. So over the course of the last seven years, I've developed what I call the BU method. And that is basically the covers the five pillars of health and utilizing every one of those five aspects. Once you acknowledge and address each one of those individually, they collectively create a healthy lifestyle that allows you to go forth and be you. So. That's great. And bring those three other people along with you, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. So you, I heard you mentioned yoga and now I'm just going to get into that just a little bit because I love that you are a yoga instructor and a really good one too. In fact, I've said before, I love the way you teach. You just have fun. When I watch you, you in a yoga video, you're being yourself, you're having fun and you can tell, and that energy is what radiates to other people that are watching. And I think that really helps someone when they're taking a class, you're not all uh, very stoic and, you know, trying to say, oh, this is what you must do. You know, it's no, it's very uh, laid back, but yet you can tell that you know what you're doing and you know, the poses and you know how to go through the entire methods. Uh, the interesting thing, and we've had this discussion before, but, you know, both being Christians, I know you've had some disagreements with people in that community about yoga and about the philosophies in yoga and how, well, maybe they're not compatible, but in reality they are. So maybe talk a little bit more about that. This is a totally different tangent we're going out on. You know, we <laughs> saw the squirrel, so we had to go and chase after it. So <laughs> certainly I'll, I'll go down this path. So because it does, it all ties into it. physical um, activity is absolutely important for maintaining health. And I have found over the years, I was a competitive gymnast, a competitive cheerleader. I did rowing, I did horseback riding, even did some softball there. So I've been in a lot of sports. I've also been in the military. That being said, I've had a lot of experience with physical activity to the point of extreme, you know, physical exertion. And when I was unable to move at all with fibromyalgia, um, it, you know, it was definitely very frustrating. So as my health started to get better, I knew yoga because I had done it before, but 
um, I really thought after it because I knew it could be restorative. It could be very gentle. And that's where I started back into my physical activity. And then it slowly opened up to being able to go back to running and doing other activities and stuff like that. But I have learned over the course of using my yoga that it's very fundamental for life as far as your physical strength, it builds your core, it builds your posture, it builds your lung capacity. And I wanted to learn more. And that's why I went into an actual yoga instructor course. I didn't go in with the intention of teaching it. But as I went through that 10 months, I fell in love with it. And yes, having coming from, you know, the Christian background and going in, I there as I started to post stuff on social media, I definitely started to feel um, the pressure back from fellow Christians that were rejecting the fact that I was now doing yoga and considered myself a Christian and how that was taboo. And I didn't see it. I didn't see it in any of the texts I was reading or the postures or the fact that like I had done gymnastics and cheerleading and dancing. And, you know, that's a lot of the same kind of strength, flexibility, core activities. And I, so I really was trying to find this discrepancy. And as I studied it more, I realized the foundation of yoga, the concepts and all that stuff was developed in India. And they do have a different religious belief than, you know, Christianity. However, yoga itself was developed as a philosophy. It was a way of approaching life and using physical, um, they're called the asanas. So the actual physical class of going to yoga is going through the physical postures of asanas, which some of them are named after, you know, different animals and things like that. And they look like the animal that you're doing, the pose and stuff like that. So when you do the class in English and you're saying like cat, cow, you can actually, you know, picture looking as a cow mooing in a field and then turning your body into a hissing cat at Halloween. You know what I mean? Like you can see why they got named these things. Like, well, that makes like logical sense. But the rest of the yoga is actually much more expansive than just those physical postures. But there's, there actually, it's called the eight limbic path. And the two foundational paths are the do's and the don'ts is what, what they basically are. So, you know, don't fly and don't harm other people and do, you know, um, practice purity and clarity. And when you look at those two bottom limbs of it, it really aligns with biblical truth. It's a way of approaching life and how to be, you know, it, it kind of, they kind of resonate with with the 10 commandments in a way. And, you know, you don't have to necessarily know them and, you know, practice them if you don't feel like it. But again, it's just, it's more of aligned as a philosophy towards living a very healthy life. Then, you, you know, the asanas is one part. Pranayama is the breath work, learning how to breathe. And all scientists, Harvard put it out. I mean, science has come out of how important actual breathing is and how I mean, police officers, they, they learn a specific breath work to calm themselves before going down, going into a very stressful situation. Absolutely, um, yeah. Swimmers learn how to breathe to go on their long exertions. You know what I mean? Runners learn how to breathe. There is constant use of breath work throughout society that to just neglect that, oh, they teach breath work and yoga like that. You know what I mean? Like everything that I have studied through the, the whole eight limbic path of yoga 
it's just a way of approaching life and it can literally be intertwined into a religion if you need it to be like if you if you're not christian right you don't you don't tie it into christianity right but it doesn't have to be it's whatever you want it they can tie it into their religion if you're a christian you can tie it into your religion because it's a philosophy it's not a religion so if you don't align with the concepts of how they feel people should you know respect others and not bring harm and not lie and not hold attachment and do proper breathing to help calm their nervous systems and to hold these postures that create strength and flexibility and stability and realign the spine in a proper way. If you don't agree with those things in life, then don't do yoga, you know, but if you, if you actually look at what the eight limit path expresses, it doesn't blatantly disregard Christianity. It's not like all about worshiping other gods and right. You know, that is the Buddhist concepts that they utilize, they intertwine into this yoga philosophy. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes total so. sense. It's like when you go into child's pose, you're not worshiping anything. You're just taking a pose so you can stretch your muscles a certain way. Right. Yeah. So it specifically, since you mentioned the child pose, you know, it opens up the chest. It allows you to actually press on your forehead, which is a very calming position to be in right there in um, your your forehead spot right there. Also, it expands your lungs in the back right there. And then it also um, stretches out your lower back, which a lot of people in America, <laughs> including myself, yeah. have lower back pain. Yeah. Um, you know, it also allows for a sense of security. The reason why it's called the child's pose, because it, it does bring about a peace of a position you had been in, in utero, you know, it is that position that your body was in a lot as a child or as an infant. And so as far as emotionally, it is actually a very calming pose to be in. Um, So it it, it had like each pose has a lot of incredible, and they're also scientifically proven health benefits. And so again, like it can intertwine into science, it can intertwine into Christianity, it can intertwine into really anyone's life if they agree that these postures do provide flexibility, strength, and support. The breathing does help you um, calm your mind and have less anxiety and have better energy. That's awesome. Yeah, you take it with a grain of salt, what other people think about it, and you have to- Unless you're on a salt-free diet. Correct. And there's some people out there doing that. (laughs) Yes, No, you're fine. (laughs) I have to go down these paths sometimes. So the next question I guess I'd have to ask is you've given us a lot of information and there are people out there that are starting out this year and they really want to make it a go and they want to make it a good year and they don't want to be back next year starting over with some other diet. So the question is, if someone were to want to work with you or get in touch with you or even take one of your programs, how would they go about doing that? How would they reach out to you? So one of the best ways to find me is obviously through Facebook. (laughs) It's the way to connect for most people, right? So I have a a business page, Be Beautiful with Sasha on Facebook um, or my personal page, Sasha Mills. Um, I also have um, Instagram, the BU Method. It's the Instagram that you can find, the handle you can find me at. And yeah, so those would be the, the quickest ways to get in touch. And then as far as working with, I do private coaching for 
you know, the whole body head to toe private coaching, but I also do offer a uh, online yoga group that you can join. Um, and I do have, like you were saying, the um, freedom from food uh, psychology mini course that I can send you and you can sign up for and register. And so I usually prefer to have a consultation get, you know, get in touch that way. And then, you know, I'm very honest, you know, what are your goals? Where are you at? What are you looking for? And depending on that, you know, I do offer many coaching packages and I also actually premium coaching packages because some people, they might be pretty healthy, but they're, you know, they're pretty happy where they're at, but there's just something missing and they just need somebody to come along and help them figure out where that little bit is that's off. Or, you know, if somebody really is just like, I want a transformation, I want to see a change in my life. And I, you know, really just want more energy. I want better sleep. I want to lose weight. I, I want, you know, these aches and pains that the doctors are saying are not really there. <laughs> that happens sometimes, mm-hmm. um, you know, then we go into more of a premium package oh, and we could go, we work. could spend a couple hours probably talking about modern medicine, but we won't go down that rabbit hole today because we we're about out of time. <laughs> Maybe next time I have you on. We'll do that. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. Well, I will also post on the Strive to Thrive Facebook page. I will post some of the links so you can get in touch with Sasha and hopefully find ways that she can help you start out the new year as a new you. Uh, Sasha, I want to thank you for being on the show and spending New Year's Eve with me. So let's raise up our champagne glasses and toast to the new year. Happy New Year to you. (laughs) Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you. One more question. Thank you for having me. One question I'm going to ask you before we go. I forgot to ask you, and I ask everyone on the podcast this question. What does being purposely positive mean to you? That's a good question. (laughs) Purposely positive um, for me would be to be mindful and conscious and being in the present without excluding what's actually happening in the current situation, but giving gratitude and thanks for all that, you know, you do have. That is beautiful. That's a beautiful answer. And I have gratitude that uh, you joined me today to start the new year. And I'm looking forward to a new year and uh, many conversations in the future. Thank you, Sasha Mills, for being on the podcast. Thank you, Tony, for having me. You've been listening to Strive to Thrive, the purposely positive podcast brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. If you're out there in your life and you're striving and you want to turn the new year into the year that you finally start thriving, come to my website and download my free ebook, Strive to Thrive. This has been a pleasure having this podcast today and starting out in 2020. We're going to move on to 2021. So I want to wish everybody a happy new year and a happy new you.